T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending tomorrow is the regular season finale for college basketball for all three local schools. Then it's on to conference tournament play next week, Big 12 tournament, SEC tournament. So for KU tomorrow, they will wrap up Big 12 play in Austin at 3 o'clock. This game, it matters for, you know, eventual number one overall seeding maybe, but Kansas already winning an outright Big 12 title uh, once again after Texas lost to TCU earlier in the week. And then KU, of course, had one prior to that. As for the Kansas State Wildcats, they will be in Morgantown taking on West Virginia. That's at 1 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio. And Missouri will host Ole Miss to wrap up regular season play in the SEC. That one will be at 2.30. You neglected to mention UMKC, whose postseason tournament starts tonight. Yeah, they play tonight. Against Omaha. They are the seventh seed in the Summit League tournament. They'll be taking on the tenth seeded. Their favorites, aren't they? Were you about to get to that? Gold, were you just about to get to the Yeah, he just wouldn't let me get there. I was about to, Nick. I was was not done yet. He said Big 12 and SEC. He did not say Summit League. Well, he wasn't finished. You though. know what? You, you should start. Said, you should start a Summit League podcast, man. You should do a. I think it'd be great, Nick. Don't you? What's the market for that? For the Summit, for the four thirty-five podcast network. I mean, Nick's yeah. got. I think. I, how do you feel that one and done night didn't include UMKC? Only only KU, K State, like Missouri. They go six to nine, and then I get nine to nine ten. For yeah, UMKC. you're one of the only people no, not I think kicking Cody, into that that uh, four thirty-five podcast network bucket. I think Cody, you could I've, you could I've, do uh, eleven to midnight UMKC on that night. They'll just have a gap in between. Yeah, why aren't you doing any podcasts? Gold does Gold, Gold does a show. I, I was do a doing show. a podcast, not for the four thirty-five podcast network. No, um, I'm not. So you you. Not only do you get compensated more than everybody in the building, <laughs> I do you less do work. less work. That's not true. I just don't do a podcast at the moment. I didn't say I'd never do a podcast. I said just don't do one at the moment. That should count for something, yeah? No. Sure. No, it doesn't count for anything. <laughs> Did I? But I'm going to consider it down the road? Give me a chance, man. Give me a chance. Next up on Watch Trending, according to reports of the Combine, the number for Daniel Jones might be getting a little bit higher as we speak. Reports are he's trying to get his number up even higher than the original $35 million a year <laughs> yeah. that we were discussing, and he'd like to be somewhere in that forty to $45 million yep. a year range. That's insane. That's that's sure insane. He's Just not going to get it. He's not going to get Just it. Just sign Derek Carr and trade Daniel Jones if those are the options. Wow. Yeah. I'm dead serious. At least it's going to cost the same. And Derek Carr is a better hes a better quarterback sure. than Daniel Jones. He's not younger, but that's the only thing Daniel Jones would have going for him in that regard. Next up on what's trending, some exciting news actually for college football. They're going to change what a, a rule that I just don't know why it's taken so long. We know these games take too long. Well, the rules committee announced today it has approved several rules designed to speed up 
college football games. It'll be approved in April. The biggest change regarding first downs. So currently we know the clock stops, which is ridiculous on first downs until the ball is spotted. The new rule will keep the clock running on first downs, except during the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarter. That's exactly what the NFL does. So why not match it up? Uh, I think that is fantastic. Also, no consecutive timeouts. So the whole ice, the kicker, burn all three. That's done. Get the hell out of here with that. Untimed penalties. That's going to be adjusted and replay during games in which there is not a replay official in the booth. On field officials will have an optional replay in which they can use available uh, a video after a coach's challenge. This is one of those things I just talked about with baseball. Baseball for once was ahead of the curve by trying to make sure they sped up their game. They are successfully doing so, and college football is looking at their five-and-a-half-hour product on a Saturday afternoon and realizing, eh, might need to tighten that up just just a little bit, just a little bit. Next up on Watch Training, Marcus Kemp is heading over to the Washington Commanders. He's going to go join his guy, Eric Bieniemy, who obviously accepted the offensive coordinator job a couple of weeks ago. This is one of those, no, this is not going to impact the win total of the Chiefs. He had a couple of nice plays in the postseason. He's a very important special teams player for them, generally speaking. But also, this is one of those, Bring Marcus Kemp with you if you're Eric Bieniemy, so you can show everybody how you go about your business, yeah. how you do a meeting, how you practice on the offense, et cetera, and et cetera. You know, that's what this is. Marcus Kemp is a – he's a, like, show you how the clubhouse or how, how the locker room works situation. Makes, Makes a lot of sense. No, we, we've seen that. Also, don't forget, less than an hour from now, Club 610 officially opens up. One o'clock hour. Club 610, Aaron Ladd going to join us in studio for the entire 1 o'clock hour. We've got uh, some refreshments, right? Got some beverages. Yeah, I put a bunch of beers in the fridge unless Nick took them out. He was putting in his protein shakes. So as long as he didn't not, take in his beers I out. was not putting protein Your shakes. Your yogurt in shakes. He's got it's yogurt. Just, it's yogurt smoothie thing. How many, but they have lacto- 20 grams of protein? That's pretty much a protein shake. I get them because they're lactose-free, Cody, and you know this. And you're being disingenuous on the air to try and get oh. a cheap laugh. They get 20 <laughs> protein. I was just making sure you didn't take any of the beers out. Wow. No, I didn't take any of the beers out. Okay. I like that this fridge we're talking about, by the way, is just the oh. mini fridge that is in Speck's office. Oh, yeah. So he went out of town. We decided we're going to do Club 610 because he's out of town. And then we filled his fridge in his office full of beer to drink later. Yeah. Nick will have the club music ready. Cody's got a disco ball. Dim the lights. We'll be good to go. At 1 o'clock today. So see you in route. Well, not yet, but it's supposed to be here by 1. Okay. That is what's trending here on Cody and Gold. We are expected to have MJ Melendez call into the show, uh, and he won't join us during Club 610. He's going to join us very, very soon. Do you want to start it early? No, I don't think we should do that. I don't think we should do it. We should wait till 1 o'clock. But MJ Melendez from the Royals, before he heads off to the World Baseball Classic, is going to uh, to call into the show here in the next couple of minutes. We'll talk to MJ. Thinking of that, though, we were going to talk some Royals baseball anyway, though. Um, and in, in particular uh, with Salvador Perez, who yesterday had a home run and a stolen base. That doesn't usually happen for Salvador Perez. Not typically, but I a mean, fun spring training day. And it got us thinking, though, about playing time with MJ Melendez and, and Salvador Perez. And I'm sure something we'll ask MJ about, though, is uh, right now it looks like he's going to play a whole lot of left field. But how much should he be behind the dish this year? And I think there's an argument to be made that you want to find out. How many you want to see? You want to see 80 or 100 games. I don't know if you're going to get that behind the dish. It's it's really difficult because we both know, because we've talked about this with catchers before, the value is in them catching. <laughs> Unless you are going to be a one-of-a-kind, elite-level offensive catcher, which, by the way, even guys who are going to go to the Hall of Fame, like Yadier Molina, was not that. Yadier Molina's value was in catching. 
that's why he was – look, he's a really above-average offensive player. I'm not saying that. Yadier Molina stands out um, statistically from that regard. He did plenty of things great to cover those gaps. Salvador Perez has done some really impressive offensive things, including, right, having um, – you know, having a 48 home run season, which is certainly something not like even Yadier Molina did. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at like just OPS plus, right, which is all that tells you on base plus slugging. And it's telling you if you're a hundred score gold, you are an average MLB player. That's what you are. You are just a perfectly fine everyday show up at the ballpark player. Yadier Molina's career, a Hall of Fame career, 96. Hmm. MJ Melinda's last year, 99. So it's it the. The proof is in what it is. His value is in catching. It he is. has not shown enough offensively yet to think that his value is in left field until there is more evidence to support it. Actually, Seven President one hundred five, so he's actually yeah. Even I just think better than that. If you're looking at this team and we've got so many young players we're talking about, and you're trying to figure out are they really the keys to the future, uh, and are they going to be guys you can build around? Part of that equation does involve MJ Melendez being the catcher long term, right? Yes. And and so why this is you trying to like find... being around the bush? What's the hard conversation here? Well, I think it, it comes down to necess- you don't have to necessarily trade the guy, but Salvador Perez. So I, I think having him play at you know maybe not necessarily first base. I think Vinny Pasquantino can occupy that, but DH, DH a little bit more. That would be something I would like to see. I, I, I think it, I'm, I'm dreaming when I say 100 games behind the, the plate for, for MJ Melinda. Listen, don't play him 162 but, games. You know, that, like, play Salvi like every other catcher gets played. Like 130. By the way, somebody play less than this. Play him like 120 games. Give him days off regularly, Gold. There's wait, like there's an easy way to work this out. All right, but like, all right how do I get MJ to at least 80 games caught this year? Because that's, that's my personal goal. 81 games caught. Half the season, right? That would set him for a new record for where he'd caught. It'll give me a good idea of where he is. How do we get there? All right. We just start right out the gate. We give, him thir- we give Salvador Perez 30 games off. It's not crazy. He's an aging player. You got a lot of money tied up in him. He's very valuable to you. If you need to pinch hit him late to go swing the stick, so be it. He can be ready at any moment, but he's going to have to take 30 games off. They were a contending team. Maybe we're having a different conversation, but there, there's 30 off the bat. Okay, then there's another 30 games for sure of just Salvador Perez at the DH spot and Vinny Pasquantino at first base. All right, then all I got to do is make up 20. I can do that. I can do that whether there's a minor injury in Salvador Perez needs a couple more at DH or a couple more off. I can, because those, those days off I'm talking about are just planned. Those yeah, are planned yeah, days yeah. off. And then I can do it with a couple more days with Vinny at first or DH, right? There's more than a few ways to do this. Every time it is, you know, like a, a right-handed hitter doesn't do well against lefties, hello, MJ Melendez, right? Immediately at the catcher spot, Salvador Perez DH doesn't give yourself the flexibility. It seems... Seems so obvious. Like, and look, maybe MJ, like Amir Garrett had said on the morning show, maybe he's got 30 home run power. And then we're probably having a different conversation. But until he proves that right, he has to catch. And uh, MJ Melendez w- went back out onto the field, so it might be a little bit later on this hour when MJ he's working in. Us. Is he working in left field? He's shagging some balls, I guess. That's so, it. There you go. Because, you go. well, and I get it. It's not that he can't have value in left field, but it's hard. You have to reach a certain statistical value for you to be – worth your value at that position. That's just how it works. Like Alex Gordon was like a really tough case. He's essentially a league average player, a good time that he was on there, but he played in the elite level left field. Like unless, and that'd be the other conversation. Do you think MJ Melendez could turn into a gold glove left fielder? Yeah. I mean, right now I don't think anybody can say the answer is yes to that based off of what we saw last year. Now we'll talk to MJ about this in a second when he joins us, but 
the offseason focus. Now he know like he he had no idea he was going to play left field until he last year. Till right? it happened. Till it happened. And because so, they wanted to keep him up because he, he was hitting. Yeah. Well. And so now he had an offseason to actually focus in on that. So I would imagine it'll be better than what it was. But yeah, to say that it's going to be an elite level. And that could have knocked some of his offensive numbers. The fact that he was thrust into left field and all of a sudden playing an awkward position. Right. I mean, that could have affected his, his offensive numbers. And maybe I'm way off here. It's like you just don't know. And it's just like the long term answer is MJ is your full-time catcher. By the way, full-time catchers... Well, you need to at least find out if he is the yeah. long-term answer. You know, well, we think you, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, need, sure. I need to find that out. And I, if, if he is that, and you're going to count on him in, in 2024 or, or 2025, then that is, that's something that I would like to, to figure out this season. That's all. It makes it, it's a difficult conversation because I don't know which way they're going to go with this. The power numbers are going to need to take a serious increase, though. That's really, you're going to play corner outfield, Power numbers need to go up. Now he had 18 home runs last year. It's not like it was a bad season. Namir Garrett's out here saying that he's got 30 home run power, which we can ask MJ Melinda's about. But it's it's not it's not set in stone. You're right. But I think if this team is going to be good, Gold, like maybe we don't have all the answers, but if this team's going to be good. MJ Melinda's going to be long term catcher. Like maybe you're saying we don't have the answer, but that has to be the answer if that makes sense. What I'm telling you is, no matter what, that's the direction you have to move eventually. So we'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we know tomorrow is the last day of regular season basketball for the local schools. Uh, for t- tonight, for your ruse as well. Yeah. Hopefully it's not the well, last. Well, I hope it's, it's not the a, last it's night. A tournament for them. They're already in the yeah. tournament. I'd like it to not for, be the, the last con- night the, for the, the Ruse. The conference tournaments begin for the Big 12 and the SEC next week. But you, you look at all three local schools and the coaching job by all three. I mean, Dennis Gates, unbelievable year one out of Missouri. Obviously, Jerome Tay at K-State. And then Bill Self, I understand we, we think it's just this automatic roll the ball out and they're great. But losing what they lost to win the Big 12 outright with a game to go, being contention for the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. That's a hell of a coaching job. I think he is a candidate for coach of the year. I told you in January, I think Jerome Tang should be the national coach of the year. And I think he's going to receive that for some of the awards because uh, there's multiple coach of the year awards that exist he should get them that all. are out there. I mean, Jerome Tang, it goes without saying, uh, can, what, what he was able to do in year one with the Kansas State Wildcats. going to make him a two or three seed in the yeah, NCAA it's tournament? A, it's an incredible job. It, it, really, it really is. But you get a chance to finish second in the Big 12? I'm wondering today, though, listen, like 913-586-7610 is the text line. If you're, who do you think is more nervous today uh, about their coach still being their coach a year from now, K-State or MU fans? I mean, I would guess that K-State fans are more worried about it, but also I think K-State fans are, I think they're a little more like no one will ever leave us. Because they had a football coach who did it for so long. Their last basketball coach wasn't a hurry to go anywhere. And he, like, he made an Elite Eight and stuff. Like, Bruce Weber had some. I know that he was falling on hard times and people didn't like him as much at the end, but he didn't leave him. Frank Martin did. But pretty much, name, name a Missouri basketball coach who stayed for a while. Yeah, Mike Anderson was for there for, for a while, but I get your point. But he also didn't have the kind of success that even Correct. Dennis Gates is having, like, to a sustained success. We don't know. With Dennis Gates, honestly, we don't know. Mike Anderson actually had some really good teams. So to your point, that but that's been what twenty years? Twenty eleven is when he left, and he was there for five. I mean, and five, yeah. When's the last coach they had to stay longer than that? Norm Stewart. <laughs> like, how far back in Missouri's history would you have to go to be like that was our coach? He stayed here. They had sustained success. They were winners the entire time we were here. It's that K State's got a little more recent track history of that. So I'm guessing they're feeling like his fans a little more confident. I'd be worried. Teams are going to bang down the door for Jerome Tang. He took a team who had fallen to their worst year under Bruce Weber and in a single season is going to make them a number two or number three seed in the NCAA tournament and possibly finish second in the toughest basketball conference 
in all of college basketball. I didn't know that, like, you'd be like, well, then doesn't Bill Self deserve Coach of the Year? He I won he that to- he toughest. Deserve he, deserves, that look, well. he deserves recognition for the year he had. It's just not, I don't think I would talk about it like Coach of the Year stuff. Yeah, we can get back into college basketball in just a little bit. But let's go out to Surprise Arizona and welcome in MJ Melendez. Uh, before you, I'm assuming you, you hop on a plane here pretty quickly to go for the World Baseball Classic, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. I'll be I'll be out in uh, on Monday. Okay. Yeah, we saw. I think Vinny and Nikki already left for for Team Italy. Now, where where where's Puerto Rico opening up their games at though? You know, are we, you in Taiwan too or no? No, we're in Miami, so I get a uh, little bit of a home yeah. cooking. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's a little bit easier travel. You're just gonna stay at your own place, MJ? Do you even go anywhere? <laughs> that's a good question. I'm definitely gonna make my rounds at home, but I'll probably be staying at the team hotel with the team. I'm just thinking, like, if you're back at your own place, it feels like you could be you could be as comfortable as humanly possible, at least for for that version of the World Baseball Classic. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I get to I get to be out there. It's going to feel a little bit like the off season, to be honest with you. So I'm excited for it. I feel like, though, a couple weeks ago, you were living your best life around the Super Bowl. Uh, we saw you at, at Radio Row. That wasn't the part that I'm referencing. I'm referencing more that it seems like you, you were you were kind of everywhere. At I don't know how many different parties you may have gone to. How was the Super Bowl week and, and how was the game? You guys had great seats. Oh, it was it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, shout out to Tickets for Less because they just absolutely hooked it up with the with the seats. Um, but I was able to go to a lot of the crazy events. A lot of the I think one of the ones that stuck out to me was probably Fanatics. That was really cool. There was a uh, they had a really good event um, over there in the Scottsdale, uh, Biltmore area, and um, a lot of celebrities. Some pretty cool performances by some uh, some cool uh, musicians, artists, and and I was man. I was just I had a blast that whole entire week. Who was the biggest celebrity you saw? Oh man, um, probably Drake. Uh, okay. I was able to walk right, literally walked right by him, and I honestly I never get starstruck. Like it doesn't really matter who it is. Like I don't really ever get starstruck, but that that time I was like, whoa, that's Drake. <laughs> Look, if there's a guy to do that for, it kind of makes sense to do him. Did he perform too? Is he one of the musical acts? So he didn't. Not, he had a performance that week, um, that weekend, but he didn't perform there at the Fanatics. He was just kind of there hanging out with with all the other guys that did perform. Um, but it was it was insane. MJ, you had talked. Uh, I think right before you were working in the outfield a little bit, and last year you had spoken about working on left field. It, do you feel better prepared? I guess from a mental standpoint this year of you know being ready to play more left field and and making sure that you know you're not trying to learn it on the fly and have to adjust those things and how that can impact the rest of your game yeah definitely definitely I definitely that's uh, something that this offseason you know took into into account and um, just being able to play the outfield you know not even left field just right field as well like both corner outfields um you know see how I split time up there this year and, and see you know where I end up but uh, I'm definitely, you know, as prepared as, as I can be, and I'm very excited and looking forward to, you know, being out, being able to play the outfield and, and still catching some games as well. So uh, it's uh, it's some, definitely something I'm looking forward to. Do you get any sense of just how many games you might catch? Man, I, I have no idea. Honestly, it's all kind of like just go with the flow. I mean, um, you know, whenever Salvi is, you know, once his days at DH, I'm assuming I'll probably be back there. Um, this spring, I've been pre- preparing to, uh, you know, be able to catch as many games as, as needed. Um, so it's really I'm, I'm really ready for anything, but I'm not really sure exactly how how many games I would be behind the plate or versus the outfield or or anything like that. Is it hard because like you spent your entire life being a catcher, your dad caught you like that's how you've identified yourself as a baseball player. Is it hard to think like I'll be doing that a lot less or thinking of yourself in a different light? Um 
No, not really. I think once you make it to the big leagues, it's like, man, I'm I'm here. Like, I just want to play every day. And um, even though I have caught my whole life and, and I grew up doing that, once, you know, once I made it to the big leagues, I'm like, man, put me wherever you want to shoot. If the water boy could hit, I'll do it. <laughs> if he could be in the lineup, I'll do it. So um, just being out there, you know, you know, trying to help the team win. And um, I think the big thing, and, and especially seeing, you know, we talked about the Super Bowl earlier, um, seeing the dynamic, you know, that Chiefs team has and seeing what that really meant to the city, that's something that we want to bring uh, back to Kansas City. And I know uh, that 2015 was, was an insane year. And uh, just being able to see the videos, pictures, and celebrations from, from that World Series, uh, I can't even imagine that happening extremely soon. So um, that's something that we're, we're trying to build and we're trying to do here. And uh, whatever I need to do for this team to, to help us get there, I'm willing and able to do that. We're talking to MJ Melendez here on Cody and Gold. And uh, this morning, Amir Garrett was on with our morning show. He mentioned, he says, he said, MJ has, you know, 30 home run type. He's a 30 home run type of guy or can be that. Uh, Lace, what's your what's your reaction to that? And how, how do you feel about where you're at offensively and, and uh, having another offseason to get ready for that? <laughs> I love that. I love AG. He's a man. Um, no, I definitely I, – I think when I get on that field, you know, off the field, I'll try to be as humble as possible. I like to have a good time and all that stuff. But uh, when I get on that field, I feel like I'm – you know, I try to be the best player out there at all times. Uh, I do have confidence in myself, and I do feel like that is very possible and cap- I'm capable of doing that. Uh, I feel like last season was, was just a lot to juggle. You know, like you said, learning the new positions, um, being up in the big leagues for the first time, um, you know, a lot of things that were new leading off and all that stuff. So um, I, I felt like, you know, for, for all that taken into account, it was a crazy season. But I know, you know, when I'm comfortable like I will be this season and just being able to be myself, play relaxed, and know what is expected of me, um, I will, you know, have a, have a, you know, breakout season. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to go out there and, and perform, you know, for my teammates. I know they're all excited as well. You know, a lot of us young guys, uh, it was our first time, you know, being on the big stage. And, uh, you know, we had guys that performed extremely, extremely well. And uh, if they did that under those circumstances, I can't even imagine, you know, what they're going to do now that they know what to expect. Puerto Rico is one of the, like, we look up at the favorites of the teams that might be in there. You guys are fifth or sixth down the list of team favorites. How good of a team do you think you guys have in the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, I think we have a good team. I think, you know, something that I've grown up learning about, you know, Puerto Rico, my family being from there is, you know, the passion, the heart that we have behind everything. Um, it's it's more than just baseball. It's it's our pride. Um, and, and that's something that I've grown up with. I've seen uh, firsthand. I've experienced and uh, I know, you know, baseball for us, it's we're, we're so prideful of it. So I think, you know, we've had a couple guys that, you know, like like other teams, other countries have had a couple of injuries, not being able to uh, make it. But I, I, I firmly believe that we're going to go out there and perform much above expectations. And uh, I, I'm super excited. MJ, we've talked about having like a Chiefs cookbook because we had some people come in and talk about this. Now I'm kind of curious, what's the uh, what's the Melendez family dish, the Puerto Rican dish that we should all have? Oh, okay, okay. Well, my favorite that my mom makes is uh, is well, we I let me try this in English. It's like basically it's like a it's like a flank steak with rice and beans. Um, beans are um, you know kind of cooked and marinated with some. Uh, I, I don't even English. I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> what's, sure what's, what, what is, is it in like, Spanish? We'll just have to Google it ca- later. Calabazas, and it's like uh, it's kind of like a potato. It's like um, like a squash, basically. I think that's yeah. I think it's like a squash, um, and it's like marinated in that and, and cooked in that and, and boiled. And it's 
absolutely incredible. And I had my mom make it for me actually before I had left for the off season. I was like, Hey mom, you gotta, you gotta make me this dish because <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, that, I'm not the best saying, can cook. You cook I mean, can I, you make it? I can, I can, but my mom makes it way better. So <laughs> I try, I try not to, you know, even live up to that expectation when it comes to that. I think I need still have to have her teach me um, all the tips and tricks, but I've definitely FaceTimed her and be like, Hey mom, I'm about to make this, you know, give me some, give me some clues, some hints. I need something. I know you're obviously focused in on not only the Royals, but the, the world baseball classic that that's coming up for your own country. Uh, but knowing that you got some teammates that are going to play on, on some of these, whether it's Italy or, or team USA, did you guys have any trash talk before and Vinny and those guys made their, their way over to Taiwan? There's a chance. I assume it'd be pretty cool if you guys got an opportunity to play each other in later rounds. Yeah. I, I really hope that we do get to play. We definitely talk some trash. We definitely, you know, uh, I, I've talked a lot of trash too with Salvi, him being in our pool down <laughs> him playing for Minnesota. We're, I uh, actually today in VP, but we mess with each other all the time. Today in VP, I was like, "Hey, this round right here is what I'm going to do against Venezuela." It's <laughs> 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 like peppering balls. And then yesterday when he hit the home run, he uh, <laughs> I was on base, so uh, he comes he comes around home plate, and uh, you know I'm, I'm greeting him, congratulating him. He's like, "Hey." That's exactly what I'm going to be doing against Puerto Rico, so get ready. <laughs> that's your, I can say, I'm looking at the schedule. That's your guys' second game uh, yeah. in, in, in your group play or whatever. I, I'm, su- I'm super excited for that. And obviously, you know, Salvi, you know, what he's done, you know, here and even him playing in the in the World Baseball Classic, you know, previous couple times, he knows what to expect. So uh, he has a little bit of an edge, but I, I think we can still <laughs> take it to him. And uh, when he catches, I'm definitely going to be, you know, up to bat a little bit, talking a little bit of smack if I get a hit. So. <laughs> There you go. MJ Melendez joining us from Surprise. Best of luck, man, down uh, in Miami with Puerto Rico, and uh, we'll catch up here in a couple weeks. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. There you go. That's MJ Melendez out in Arizona. And, yeah, he'll actually take on, as he said, Venezuela March 12th. It's the second game of their group play, Puerto Rico versus Venezuela. And then it would be kind of fun if, if, they, if they're able to advance out, if they could go up against Team USA with Brady Singer, and then, of course, Italy with Nikki and They got and, lower and odds. Yeah. At least yeah. odds a little lower. We never count out our guys. Some I want, groups, I want as many Royals tougher. as possible. Some groups are tougher, like Puerto Rico. So they got uh, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and then Puerto Rico plays Israel, and then Puerto Rico has the Dominican Republic, and the Dominican and Republic's the, yeah, the favorite. Yeah, that's a kind of loaded group, right? But some of the names, I mean, have you? I mean, on Puerto Rico, I mean, they're, they're, they're Marcus Stroman. There's some, I mean, there's there's some legit names, obviously on the uh, on the Puerto Rico. Javier Baez, Edwin Diaz. So anyway, Nick, are you going to cook? Uh... That sounded, you cook that that sounded really dish? good, no. by the way. That actually sounded really, really good. You said no so quick. That was a quick. Yeah, you we got to go break. Oh, oh, okay. We got short commercials, so we're a little later today. We're fine. Yeah. Boss isn't here. Coming up next, though, we will. Let's just I'm, skip him. I'm cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we'll get to the random question of the day. And what happens if Lamar Jackson ends up very close to home? Thanks again to MJ Melendez for joining us out in Arizona. Thanks to Vern, our Royals insider, of course, who's been out there since the start of spring training. We'll have Vern back on the show next week. Get to the random question of the day here in about eight minutes or so. We know Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens, their ongoing problems. You got the GM getting called out by his own players yesterday, Rashad Bateman, and this back and forth of Lamar and, and, and trying to get the guaranteed money that he thinks he deserves. And they're obviously hesitant to do so. And there's a real possibility. And I think all of us on the show now don't believe he will end up playing in Baltimore uh, by the time we get to the start of this season where he ends up. Yeah. The Falcons are the favorite odds wise to end up there. But what if he got 
traded to an AFC West team, which means one team in particular, it'd be the Raiders. That's the only team. The Broncos. They just go for another <laughs> quarterback it's again. One to, it's not the, not the, <laughs> spoiler. He won't be coming to Kansas City. Spoiler. No. Um, once they ended up with the Las Vegas Raiders last year, you mentioned Russell Wilson. We remember the cop, Russell Wilson, Russ, Mahomes, Herbert. Carr, Carr. a very acceptable quarterback at the time, yeah. If it was Mahomes, Russ, Herbert, and Lamar Jackson, would that change your feeling on the AFC West, though? Because if it didn't happen last year, even though I think Lamar is still is extremely talented still, he's young enough that he's not like Russ where he was fading a little bit, and obviously big time last year. Turns out a lot. Um, but it's still the Raiders. It's still their coaching staff, and it's still, I think, the, the mental side of the dominance the Chiefs have had on that franchise that, yeah, would, they, would the Raiders be a better football team with Lamar Jackson? Of course. Of course they would be. But I don't think the Raiders are winning the AFC West just because Lamar Jackson becomes their quarterback. So, no. So, they're also the betting favorite on an offshore, yeah. uh, not in Vegas, on an offshore book to land Aaron Rodgers, odds checker or something. I don't yeah. remember the site. But they've got him at minus 200. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers to land there as well. I It would change. My, I mean, I would say that the AFC West is more difficult. Would we have the same conversation? Like, we've never seen a division with these quarterbacks. No, because but Russell it, Wilson ruined <laughs> that talk. Although three out of four, you would have a guy who's won two MVPs and two Super Bowls, a guy who's won an MVP in Lamar Jackson, and a guy who's more than capable of winning an MVP in Justin Herbert. I know he wouldn't have that title, but, like, we would know that about them. I know uh, Russell Wilson's never received an MVP vote, but he is a Super Bowl winner. So right. that would be your division. A, a Super Bowl champ, a two-time Super Bowl champ, an MVP winner, and Justin Herbert, one of the more talented young quarterbacks in the NFL. Sure, if I structure it that way, fine. But you know what the, my biggest hangup is? I still think Josh McDaniels stinks. So I don't think he's just going to fix it. Derek Carr, who by all accounts was a as about as steady as they come from a starting quarterback perspective, had his single worst year of his career under Josh McDaniels. They were less successful as a team than when Rich Bisaccia, in the middle of a very tumultuous season, where they had a player on their team murder another person in a vehicular accident and all of these. Like, they had a lot on their plate, man. And they still managed to be a playoff team. They didn't even sniff the playoffs. It wasn't even a consideration for them. They were never good enough to be in there. Lamar Jackson would make them better. There's no doubt the division would be tougher. There'd be a better chance you'd lose to the Raiders. But guess what? I predict their record to be against them next year if Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers showed up for that matter. 2 0. That'd be my guess. 2 0. <laughs> like I'd be 2 0 the next year, too. It, yes, it makes the division better, but it doesn't sway the division for me. It sounds like it sways it a little more for you. Yeah, I mean, like, Lamar Jackson would be a massive upgrade for what they've had at quarterback and skill level with the athleticism and all that. But uh, I, I still look at the Raiders. As a unit, their defense is atrocious. And so they're not suddenly a contender if that happened. And again, this is just kind of a fun hypothetical if you know, knowing that Lamar is going to get traded. I mean, the Raiders uh, for with Aaron Rodgers is actually more interesting to me in the short term. Lamar is obviously potentially a long-term fix. But if Aaron Rodgers was in the division, like I would have to, to give the Raiders quite a bit more respect. I would say that the Raiders would be potentially vying for the second-best team in the division because of that that quarterback. Right, because the Chargers have had their opportunities to yeah. do it. You talk about coaching. You still have a question about Brandon Staley, obviously, out in L.A. too. No, He's still it's the head not. Coach, yeah, like, I don't. I know less about Brandon Staley. Uh, I probably would still rate him above Josh McDaniels, but that's because I think Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach. Because we but. all agree, going in, going right now, right now, as rosters sit, the Raiders are still the worst team in the division. Yes, whether at, uh, whether they had well, right now, I mean, 
let's assume they have a quarterback. They like, literally don't have a quarterback right now. Jared yeah, Stidham, Jared okay. Stidham. Fine. But, then I have to. But, but, but Derek, I don't want. I want to rank Denver the worst. But, but fine. Really? I accept that. Even if Derek, well, Sean Payton's a better coach. Even if Derek Carr was coming back, I would. I would argue that the Raiders are the worst team in the division. I think it's probably co-tie between the two. It depends on how much. Like I mean, again. Sean Payton's got a lot of work to do on Russell Wilson, and they had to let go of some of their talent just to afford Russell Wilson. Right. So it's not like I don't think their roster is getting better, and they gave up all their draft and assets. Trading Jerry like Judy. I'm just thinking about like by the time like you're probably right right now, Gold, but by the time September first rolls around, and like we're getting on the precipice of the start of the NFL season, and the Raiders actually had an entire draft and found a quarterback, I feel like by the time the season starts, the Raiders are the better team. Like, maybe I'm kind of no matter who their quarterback is, is what I guess what I'm saying. Because the most recent example of the quarterback play I've seen in Denver is there. But I don't know. I mean, is it, like, Nick, would you even – Well, because I don't feel like we're ever going to talk about it that way again because Russell Wilson ruined the conversation. Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers show up. We're not going to do the, this is the yeah, best – is this the, the, the best the division of all time? The only difference I would say is we know Lamar – like, especially – like, we know Rod, I mean, Rodgers just won back-to-back MVPs two years – you know, a year ago – and yeah. Lamar, if anything, there's probably more questions on Lamar because it's been four years since he won an MVP. But though, like, I don't think anybody would be doubting the talent level of what Aaron Rodgers or Lamar could do next year. Whereas Russ, there were some people questioning yeah. it heading in. Anyway. And the thing to remember about Lamar Jackson, and I know that we don't want to talk about QB wins too much, but he has had almost no wide receiver help the entire time he's been in Baltimore. But he's had they have spent, including draft picks and finances. The 31st least amount at the wide receiver position in the NFL while they had an MVP caliber quarterback on their roster. His record still in games in which he starts 45 and 16. That dude wins. Like, I know that, like, I don't want that to be the only stat that matters for quarterback, but I don't like when we just complete dismiss winning as something that actually matters. Winning still matters. If you're good at it, you consistently do it. It does hold some weight still. To me, that's... Like that, you would think instantly if he showed up on the Raiders, they're going to win a lot more games just based on how often he wins them anyway. Random question. For you, Gold. For you, Nick. Over in the J Southland Toe service text line, 913-586-7610. This one's going to seem a little obvious, but come on. Travis Kelsey is hosting Saturday Night Live tomorrow. So I don't think we've talked about it on this show, even though I think it's a regular barroom debate. All I want to know today your favorite Saturday Night Live sketch of all time. Since we know Travis Kelsey's going to do this thing tomorrow, I want to know what your favorite Saturday Night sketch was in the lead up to it. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be something Travis Kelsey does tomorrow. Well, that would be that would mean uh, no. I think I think mine still. And <laughs> I was trying to. I, we can, I don't think we have the audio of it, but the whole uh, the NPR spoof. Oh, oh the, yeah, the sweaty, the sweaty, sweaty balls. Sweaty balls. That's, that's pretty good. That's a, that's that's at the. I mean, that is probably at the number the top of my list <laughs> i know that the the peyton manning one for whatever the athlete oh, perspective the, the, the peyton united manning the yeah the united way one is way up at the top of my list it has consistently been one of the other the other underrated one from the last like decade because again i you know i didn't watch a lot of saturday night live in the 70s and 80s not that i didn't see i've obviously seen sweaty balls and all those things like it's the big ones that's come through <laughs> when you go through the <laughs> Nick, please cut that part though i've obviously seen those what did i miss he said no you just go back you'll hear it okay. when you when go back like 30 seconds you'll hear it um when you <laughs> when you go back through the saturday night live skits one that's underrated the last decade the uh black jeopardy it's so good the one with tom hanks okay when he's, it's so good if you haven't seen it it is absolutely worth your time do you have a more recent one you like? 
Not really. I don't watch regular basis anymore. Yeah, but you still so. see the clips sometimes, don't you? Over the last six years, I've one of the better bits the new show does is the once a year with Michael Che and Colin Yost when they do the jokes they write for each other. It's just essentially them making each other say absolutely absurd things. Che's always making Michael Yost say like incredibly racist jokes or those things. It's it's a very good setup. I'm assuming Nick was going to say McGruber because we got a whole thing about that. <laughs> no, about I mean, the that McGruber movie. movie, yeah, for sure. But I don't know if I would put that as one of my favorite sketches. All of mine are going to be Will Ferrell. Uh, I grew up. Okay. I grew up with two two DVDs of Saturday Night Live best of. You had One DVDs was, of SNL. I had, I had wow. the best of Will Ferrell, and I had the best of Chris Farley. So those yeah, were two Farley. that were constantly being That's watched. Pretty good one. So Chippendales and those is like yeah. way up on your list. And yeah, with uh, Down by a River, right? Yeah, uh, Matt Foley. Matt Foley. Uh, for me, I probably will. <laughs> I probably will go with Will Ferrell. The um, I mean, Celebrity Jeopardy is easy, but the Lovas one when they're in the hot tub yeah. with him and Ray. Hello, Lava. <laughs> so uh, I do that sometimes. I'll say that to my girlfriend, and she does sure she not like it. it. I'm sure she, see, I she hates it. it. I would have thought she just would have loved it, Nick. And I, but you and keep I doing it anyway, huh? Yeah, and you know what? She says that often as well. She reminds me that I've told you I don't like that, and then you yet you continue to do it. And I say, yeah, but I think it's funny. And she said, well, it's not landing, and I'm you're not a comedian, and I'm not your audience, so... Uh, we've had a lot of those conversations, but uh, the dysfunctional family one is really good. The one with Garth Brooks, actually, the devil, where he's plays. The, seen oh that. yeah, Garth Brooks plays himself, and he or okay. he plays like a musician who uh, sells his soul to the devil okay. to write a love song, and then Will Ferrell shows up as the devil, but he, he's a horrible songwriter, and he okay. just keeps pitching him terrible songs. It's really funny. There's well, more cowbell. Oh, okay. I mean, I that's an script. obvious I, one. I see the image of. Will Ferrell dressed up as the devil. It's a really good one. Really good one. <laughs> guitarist Milo Jenkins, who is played by Garth Brooks. The character, the guitarist's name is Milo Jenkins in the skit. I'm surprised for a sports radio station we didn't mention him as Harry Carey. If you're going to mention Will Ferrell, a lot of people mentioning the like the the uh, what do you call it? Uh, like the oh god, the the ones that they had a, a bunch of them like fake in fake music, fake songs or whatever. Oh, those like now huh? this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking. I can't remember the name of the bit, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Someone else says Jim Carrey. Jim Phil, Carrey, what? Phil Hartman as Bill Clinton going in McDonald's is a classic. Oh, dude, the how about how about um, Phil Hartman doing the commercial? I always love the fake commercial ones. Yeah, when they did yeah, the yeah. one for Colon Blow. Oh yeah, that <laughs> one's serious. I've seen that. I have, I that have, one is great. I have seen that one. That is a that's a that's a famous one as well. Just the idea of a cereal being called colon blow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you catch what did you did you catch what Cody said earlier? That was the, it was about the sweaty balls. No, I didn't. I okay. pulled it, but I haven't I haven't scrubbed it yet. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be in there for everyone to hear. Yeah, well, definitely have to save it as a drop. For probably ever. Mm-hmm. I guess I could have said, "What's your most overrated one?" Like I never got into the 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 David S. Pumpkins one for Tom Hanks. I never really got why that one caught so much steam. Do you remember that? That one's in the last ten years too. I don't know. If I, five years. Probably. I have to search that. I and I really don't watch much SNL anymore. I will say the like Nick, you had mentioned the the Will Ferrell one. Those have been the ones I'd watched a lot as a kid too. Like that's probably at the peak of when I would have been watching it. But I did like all the Lonely Island stuff, the Andy Samberg Lonely Island. Like you're talking about like the commercials, all the like song stuff they did in the middle of all of those. I just had sex. Yeah, that come on. Those are that's a great. Good. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's uh, a bleep a, in a box and all that stuff. Yeah. What in a box? 
I just said it. So. No, but what's the word? You gave the first one. What was in the box? There's a penis in the box, but that's not what they called it. That would not have rolled off the tongue. <laughs> that wouldn't have, no. That wouldn't have worked quite yeah. as well. Because there's like, and they did Mother Lover and I'm on a boat. Like there's, there's just. I'm on a boat. Yeah. yeah. That's still like anytime yeah. I'm on a boat, I say <laughs> that <course>. stupid. <laughs> Every time. 100% success rate. Mm-hmm. If I'm on a boat. That song yeah. gets played or is said Kel, by somebody. I mean, Kel, we'll talk more about this with Aaron in the, in the one o'clock hour. Club six ten opens in about fifteen minutes. Uh, but Travis Kelsey, I'm sure there's Monday. I can't Monday. I'm sure we will have some. There, there's no way he's going to bomb. Honestly, there's no way Kelsey's going to bomb. Impossible. On he's just got too good of a personality. Yeah. The cheerleaders won. Somebody brought that up. The cheerleaders, um, where they play the Spartan cheerleaders. Yeah. Who's that Spartan in my TP? That's a, that was a long running. There was yeah. several of those over the yeah. years. Enough that that, oh, no, wait, that was a different character first that got turned into a movie. So that is the random question of the day. Uh, there is a little bit of news in, in college football. Um, when you look at the Big 12 and the Pac-12 conversation um, and TV rights, and we know that last week the news came out that the Pac-12 was looking at, like, Ion TV. They disputed that, and... You know, looking at going on Apple TV. They have Stuart, not disputed that Stuart one. Mandel, the athletic today, said he's talked to people inside the Big 12 who believe they'll land Pac-12 schools as soon as this month. And those inside the Pac-12 insist nobody is jumping unless it's a really bad TV deal. And, of course, and that the numbers are coming check. in a little bit better than, yeah. than they had originally thought. This seems like wishful thinking a little bit, right? The Pac-12 is dead. It's and the Big 12 is doing exactly what they should do if that's the case. Yes, the the numbers for the Pac-12 reportedly are coming in a little bit better than they had originally thought they were going to come in, which is obviously important when you're talking about whether or not teams are going to jump. But in the end, all those teams still look at these things as who is safer. Reportedly, the Big 12 has reached out to Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado and Utah. And so for as great of a, they've been a basket, like the big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country. And that's been made very clear. But when we're talking about the four conferences that are still the four teams that are available, you immediately improve your football situation by going with any of those four schools, including weirdly enough. Now Colorado improves your situation in that department. Well, there's definitely intrigue with their program now. That's for sure. Yeah. They've got more buzz around their program than they have in a really long time. I think that this is exactly what the Big 12 should be doing. Don't wait to find out if that TV deal is going to be good. Steal. Raid this conference. And I saw some Pac-12 fans be like, oh, this is how it's going to be. And all these. I'm like, dude, people have been dancing in the Big 12 grave for years. For once, you can bury somebody else. You've been Someone's been slowly shoveling dirt over your conference for the better part of 20 years if you're the Big 12. And instead, you're standing outside the grave with a chance to end it for somebody else? Take them. <laughs> Because that's the last, that's the last ball to We've drop. Been, I mean, yeah, if you steal any of those, if you steal two of those four schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, Oregon's going to the Big Ten, and they're done. That's it. They're done. Because reportedly, if they offer these schools, they're going to offer Gonzaga at the same time, and they're going to be kings of basketball. Yeah, the the Arizona, Arizona State, that that has go by. I mean, we could have been having this very topic in 2013, and people were talking about how Arizona and Arizona State made all the sense in the world. But they're trying to just keep themselves alive then, because Bob Bowlesby kept saying like. We don't think that we have to expand. And then the second Texas and Oklahoma get swiped again. Two of their biggest properties get stolen again. He retires. And then Brett Yormark shows up and he's like, yeah, you know, we do have to steal 
we can't just stay the same. Let's add Houston. Okay, that's going to make us better in football and basketball. And now let's start looking in other places where we can do bigger, better things. And I, I think that they've got the right idea. I hope the Big 12 is aggressive as it appears that they're thinking about being. Who do you want the most out of those? You can get two out of those wow. schools. You want the Arizona schools? Yes. Yeah, out of that grouping, yes. I mean, of course, Oregon's the I'd answer. like Colorado. I, just, I get it. I know why. And look, Colorado's in a weird, like, they're just in a weird spot. They're in kind of no Because they've been zone. one of the worst but power the five schools, football programs. Arizona schools, I think, would be fantastic. To have those fan bases. Uh, I mean, we were just out in Phoenix. I mean, the to have Tempe part, I don't know. I just think, I just think it'd be good for good and fun for the conference as well. I know. Both I think football, it's a different area that they don't really advertise to now, which is nice. You're really well, you expanding Phoenix, your you, fan base. You get the Phoenix market. Yeah. You get the Phoenix market and it is growing like crazy still out there. So that, that's, a, that is absolutely a new audience. And that means television dollars in the future. That that's why it's important. That's what it all comes down to, but we'll see it's, you know, the, the article certainly, of course, those inside the big 12 are feeling optimistic, uh, and, and the and, and the Pac-12 side is oh no we're we're fine so you know it's who's who's actually right we're going to find out over the next month or so here's the thing there's plenty of times that people probably thought the Big 12 was going to die and that was more than reasonable to think so the Pac-12 might not die here but only if you let them that's the mistake these other conferences made when the Big 12 was hurting and in trouble they could have finished them off they could have taken the death blow right they didn't they held themselves together and credit to them at that time. They found a way through when all those schools were leaving, when Missouri and Nebraska and all those schools were taken off, and they held on to their piece of the pie. But then if they don't continue down that road, they're going to run into these same problems. Don't let them survive because then 10 years from now, they might be the one killing you. <laughs> I'm dead serious. If you let them survive. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how quickly, though, the big tw- – and this, this is why conference realignment, how quickly it can shift, but – I don't know about you. If you're in Big 12, you're feeling so much better about where you're at than oh, you were yeah. a year ago and where you were two years ago. And they just lost ago. Texas and Oklahoma. I feel better about where the Big 12 is now than when the last conference realignment happened. Like the one before. Because that one definitely felt like the Big 12's going down. This time they lost Texas and Oklahoma, but it seemed like immediately they had a plan. And inside of a couple of months, you knew that they were in well, better position yeah. than the Pac-12. It'll be, I mean, from a, it's not television dollars is what's driving this but from a fan perspective i don't know about you it's kind of it'll be kind of refreshed to have byu in houston and ucf in this conference uh, and obviously cincinnati in in this conference it's gonna be a totally new look it's gonna look weird but it'll be just just kind of fresh too at the same time um and certainly if you could get rid of the pac-12 by getting arizona and arizona state can we get rid of west virginia we had three of these and well, ditched the, room, them. The, the thought there is West Virginia, maybe if, if all this could, they yeah. will end up in the ACC. Let's do that. That's fine. Let's just go ahead and expedite that. It's a Morgantown's way out there. Yeah. Let's just ditch West Virginia. <laughs> get them the hell out of this conference. Nobody wants them. And they, yeah, they can have them over there and we'll take uh, uh, Florida State. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you OK with that? That's a good trade, huh? Reportedly, they're unhappy, too, man. Well, this is where that's I, the other I, thing. Reportedly, Florida State is unhappy well, with this, how the meteorite splits we, are in the ACC. You can you can get rid of the Pac-12. Um, and you can maybe damage the ACC a little bit. It's all about still. We all believe at some point you're going to be talking about it's two, a race maybe to third. three. Yeah, but it's two. a race to third. Yeah, and the Big Twelve has a chance to do that. But we'll see how it all. I, I, I think they have the right guy in charge that's willing to be aggressive, not just sit on his ass, the way the other commissioners did in the Big Twelve. I, I think they got someone that's going to be proactive, and he's already it shows he's already been that way. And if this stuff comes true, that in the next month or so they get a Pac-12 school or two, that's, that is massive. And then the rest of the Pac-12 just collapses at that point. Yeah, that would be the end. They all scatter shot across and beg for places inside of these conferences or go to lesser conferences depending on the setup. Someone says you want to get rid of West Virginia, Cody, but you want a school in Orlando and one all the way out at BYU. Yep. Also, BYU would make even more sense once you got look, Arizona and Arizona State. Look, by the way, the cross-country stuff, that's over. 
That's not forget about travel. That's you, dead. That's not dead. why you said Rutgers no is going to take on USC. I just said get rid of West Virginia because I don't want them to go to Morgantown. Like, but, Why isn't like, that because of travel? No, Why, it's not a travel. It's just like, to I don't care enough about their basketball or football programs or their brand. I just want them out. Care? I mean, I'm with you, but do you care Fine, about Find the travel, UCF? too. It is kind of impossible to get to. You have uh, to go to Pittsburgh and then no, drive but up. How about, like, UCF is at least new and different. <laughs> So. so you really, Cody just doesn't like the people of Morgantown. Nah, I'm just like, well, oh yeah, I guess if you're listening to the show, sorry, but. That's it. I've never been, but it seems kind of like a dumb spot. It's another dumb city place. where Cody cannot run for school board now. It's another, it's another city. Morgantown? Add that to Kansas City, Missouri. No, I could run in Kansas City, no, Missouri. Not with the way the show's gone. We've talked about this. That was some of the comments you have made. That, that, I think that Who's going to dig those up? One of these Nick other people trying to run against me against saved. the school board member? Nick's saved. going to play audio that damages my own we have it. run for school it's board? It's already Why? saved. It's already saved. What Why would you do that? It's already in the system. It's already ready to go. You don't have to play them. You it's can support there, me. man. Yeah, but it's already here. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody remembers any of the things I've said on this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's just things said on the show. It should not hurt my school board okay. candidacy. All right, coming up next, Club 610 opens up for the first time. Aaron Ladd stops by. We'll also talk more about Travis Kelsey, SNL, and uh, what he thinks the Chiefs are ultimately going to do come the NFL draft. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 